0: Hey yo. Welcome to the Robot Afro show. Hey yo. Welcome to the Robot Afro show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Peace everybody. Peace, peace. Welcome back to the Robot Afro show. My name is Chandler Wyndham, and guess what? I'm still your host. Thank you for coming back. Season one, episode five. We're back. I'm black. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. A couple of things. Housekeeping things. I keep saying housekeeping things. You know what? I think that's from listening to Sam Harris's podcast. And he always says housekeeping chores. And it just like stuck in my head. You know, if you listen to somebody, a bunch of their podcasts, sometimes the stuff rubs off on you. So uh, I I will try to stop saying that, but it is really is so convenient because, you know, there are things you got to get to, like chores, like out of the way, kind of. Um, And one of those things is I just wanted to recap last episode about the my personal UFO experiences. So um, I detailed some. Things about some orbs that I had seen, you know, obviously the the big thing I talked about was the giant triangle UFO that I I saw in the Bronx on Kingsbridge Road, um, right past Jerome Avenue. I saw this in the 80s, and I'm also looking for anybody who witnessed this object to come forward and contact me at, uh, you can contact me at robotafro at gmail.com. Think that's it, robotafro at gmail.com, um, Yeah, and you know, just let a brother know if you you know you don't you could it could be anonymous. Just if you and I don't listen, I don't want to play games. If you really didn't witness it, but if you did, because I'm really trying to find out the date of when this happened. Um, but something really before we get into today's show, I want to kind of go back to the whole thing about orbs because it's since last show. So I started running out of, um, uh, space on my iPad, my iCloud storage. I started getting all of these, you know, cause what I was trying to do was, um, I don't, it's irrelevant, but I was running out of iCloud storage. So I started cleaning out my devices and, Looking at all of these pictures and I see I come across some pictures of orbs. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to take these pictures of these orbs and I'm going to see if I can make a link to them and attach the link to the website so that people can see, you know, kind of like what it is that I'm talking about, you know, because this is not a video podcast. So it'd be nice, you know. So I did that. And um, while I was going through the pictures, I see a picture of, or four pictures of an object that my son and I witnessed last, I believe it was last summer in August. And um, here's the thing. So the day we saw the object, I was on the terrace and I see the object. Now I trained myself to be able to eliminate you know, all the obvious possibilities and it, you know, it usually takes a while. You have to cycle through all of these things while continuing to stare at the object. So it's like, you know, get literally, I'm going to call this, you know, doing the Superman check. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it Superman? Like, what is it? And when you finally get to the point where you don't know what it is, um, you know, Occam's razor, which, you know, states that the easiest solution is usually the best one is, you know, the most prudent. Um, it's not always good, but, you know, I, I tend to err on, well, this could be a balloon. It could be anything. But it I literally watched it pause and then it continued to move. So it was moving and then it stopped. And then it started moving in a slightly different direction. It was too high up in the sky to be um, like someone's personal drone or something like that. It just it was it was up in the clouds and there would be no place that somebody would be controlling this from. Um, So I yelled to my son to come on the terrace and he finally does. And he looks and it takes him a minute to be able to spot it because this thing is this object is up so high. It takes him a minute. You know, maybe we're standing out there for like two, three minutes before he can actually adjust his eyes enough to spot it. And when he does, he's like, you know, his first reaction, he's like, what is that? And, you know, so as we're continuing to look, he starts to notice more and more like he, he, at first he's a little skeptical, but then he's like, that looks weird. Like, what is that thing? And then it kind of moved away. And I got my camera and I started taking pictures of it. Um, I almost have this kind of fear of pulling out my camera and taking pictures because for some weird reason, I feel like if I do that, they won't let me see them again or it won't let me see it again for a long time. And, you know, it could be like a weird, irrational fear or thing, but I feel that. And I don't know if anyone else has ever felt anything like that, but I do. So, I not so much anymore. that that's going away. So, I ran, got my phone or whatever. Um, came back, still there. And I start snapping pictures, but I can't really see the object in my, like in my viewfinder, in my phone. You know, I'm spotting it, but it's, it looks like nothing. And I take the pictures and I forgot what happened, but I looked at the picture initially and it didn't look like much to me. So I just, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll watch it later. I'll look at it later. And I never did. I never did, which was really unusual for me. I just let that go. I didn't even look back at it. So the other day, um, the picture, I see the picture in a, on my um, iPad. And I look and I'm like, what the fuck? And I, I said, holy shit. That looks like the gimbal UFO that the pilot saw that looks just like the gimbal to me in all four pictures it it in two of them it really resembles it and i <laughs> you know it made me say to myself like do i have the only picture from a, of a personal picture of you know that gimbal ufo in private hands do I, is that what i saw I'm not saying that's what it is. So slow down. Slow down, Jack. <laughs> slow down, Jay Allen, Hynek. <laughs> no, seriously though. Um I'm not saying that's what it is. I don't know. I'm stating what it looks like. I'm stating that it seemed it appeared to be intelligently controlled. It appeared to have an odd uh, appearance from what I could see from my vantage point, from my son's vantage point, I'll let you all decide what it is or what it looks like. Or if it's nothing. Okay. Um, the picture is not doctored. There's nothing done to it. I don't have that skill. I wish I did. I don't. Um, I'd be making comic books and movies or something if I did. Um, I don't. Well, I did make a comic book, but I was the writer, not the artist. Even though I do know how to draw, and I did do character designs. <laughs> Shout out me. Um, excuse me. It is, like I said, late. is 3.11 a.m. So, anyway, um, check those pictures out. If you go on the website, robottherobotafroshow.com. I'll say that again, The therobotafroshow.com and you look in the left upper corner, you'll see some links. One is just of straight up garden variety orbs, <laughs> on, but they're from like three different occasions. And the other one though is a series of four pictures. And that is the one that I believe resembles the Nimitz UFO. I'll let You all decide, you know, it's just my uh, subjective opinion, but I would love to hear your subjective opinions. You know, I would love to hear what some of you have to say. I wouldn't, I'm not going to, you're not going to hurt my feelings by telling me, oh, that's a paper bag or whatever you say it is. I'm telling you that the object was really high up in the sky. Okay. Thousands of feet. It was up there in the clouds. Um, I, you know, you have to make up your own mind, but I believe that it resembles the Nimitz UFO. I would love for MUFON to take a look. I would love, I listen, this is how curious of a cat I am. I'll put this out there to anyone uh, that studies photography and knows how to look at photographs and, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's like a D, uh, some type of pixelating effect where you can, um, you know, get a better image. You know, I don't know how that works. I'm not aware of, you know, that technology. I don't understand it. Um, but I would love it if somebody else is. Please take a look at the photo, because if it is nothing, I'm not the guy that wants to be like, oh, everything is a UFO. Everything I see as conspiracy, the government, you know, Bigfoot. I'm not I don't want everything to be, you know, I I believe that some of this stuff is just, you know, uh, misidentified things and, you know, um, you know, I could be getting things wrong, but from I, I look in the sky all the time. I have seen orbs. I saw a real giant uh, triangle shaped UFO, which there was no mistaking. <laughs> okay, what that was—that was either a giant triangle UFO or I am absolutely crazy. I am dead crazy, and I assure you, I am not. Okay. I can be a little off sometimes, but, uh, not crazy. So moving right along. So last, Oh, always doing this. So remember when I told you guys about the colorful UFO or the, like the orb that I saw, it was like, um, at the top of the stairs and I was with my ex-girlfriend and I said, you know, it looked like it was kind of dripping and it, changing color and it was like this weird orb show and we saw it at the top of the stairs looking towards Hollywood I lived in the building the George Washington right on Washington Boulevard in in, uh, like the cusp of Culver City and we were looking towards Hollywood north and we were about to head out and I'm at the top of the stairs and I see this thing she sees it and we both acknowledge it and we had a a whole what is it type of conversation. Well anyway. So it's you know, it's always good to go back and talk to people and she I started telling her about the UFO podcast the other day and she brought it up to me. I didn't wanna influence her. I didn't want to bring it up to her first. She brought the incident up to me and she was like, Remembering it was changing colors and you know, and this is a person who was pretty skeptical when I met her okay and she saw it and it changed her mind you know um I and I realized too so I saw a UFO with two girlfriends okay I saw one with my son I saw one and I saw one with my friend I think that's it or one of my my boys um did I see one with anyone else Um, I saw one with um, an ex's daughter. I think that's it. So I've actually seen them with other people. Orbs, for sure. Um, And that one dripping kind of orb thing. So anyway, but what I, dang it, I did forget to ask my brother about the UFO that we thought we saw together. Because that was a weird one. That was one of the weirder ones. Like, so, I don't know. I hope I'm not, like, you know, <laughs> hope I'm not, like, getting abducted and shit. And they're doing things to me. Because, guys, aliens, little aliens, if y'all doing shit to me, um, might, might I make a few suggestions? Perhaps you can fix some of the shit that's wrong with me. I got this bunion action going on. So, instead of going with the anal probe, Perhaps we can get the bunion taken care of. And you could put a few coins in my pocket at that. So if I'm getting abducted, y'all ain't really doing shit. Where's my powers? Like, fuck. Like, can I have some fucking powers? Like, I'd probably be a villain. So maybe I shouldn't get the powers. Like, I'd be like, right away, I'd be like, I'm Magneto. You know? Like, I'd be floating outside and shit, wrecking cars. No, I wouldn't. Yes, I would. Um, Anyway, so moving right along. um, This episode. I want to pivot away from my own personal experiences, and I want to go into the subject in general, starting with um, obviously the beginning or what the as far back as I want to go because we could go all the way back to uh, Samaria and you know what Zachariah Sitchin was talking about but in his book The Twelfth Planet and all the subsequent books that followed guy wrote like 15 of those uh, UFO Chronicle books or whatever you call them Um, I can't remember like I have notes for some things but not for everything, so please forgive me if I don't remember every single detail from every book and every single date, but I do know it was Zachariah Sitchin, the 12th planet. It was the first book. And, you know, that's when he started talking about the tablets that they found and they were all had cuneiform and they the planet Tiamat and all of these things. And you want to go back to uh, Gobekli Teple and These ancient sites that they discuss in ancient aliens and um, Von Prague's book, Chariots of the Gods. Um, I want to start with kind of uh, a, a point where this was at a point where there were no, you know, there were only eyewitnesses and a painting. And. That was a celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg, Germany in like April 14th, uh, 1561. And the residents described uh, a air battle with orbs, cylinders. Uh, I think it was orbs, cylinders, and like, uh, and crosses. And... I believe. Then they said, "Well, I don't believe they actually." In the picture, it shows you a giant black arrow. So, and uh, uh, I don't remember what the artist's name was, but you can you can look it up. Um, it's in the public domain. Um, and a month, a month after the battle, I know that they commissioned a painter um, to. Paint what describe what happened. So you can look up this this picture. It's called uh, it's uh, Nuremberg, Germany, April fourteenth, fifteen sixty one. It's the celestial phenomenon, and there's a painting that goes along with it. And in this painting, they show crosses, orbs, and uh, and the cylinders, which is literally. I I think I don't know if anyone ever discussed this, but well, of course they did. What am I saying? but the crosses that sounds like airplanes. Okay. We know about the orbs and for those of you who don't know, back then there were cylinder UFOs being reported as well in that incident and other incidents like the whole airship phenomenon where they were reporting airships, um, back when there were no airships. So that was just one of those incidents. But in that Nuremberg, uh, depiction the most intriguing object to me is the giant black triangle um also what well, the, well, the whole thing is intriguing the cylinders too because that's like such a weird thing that exists now that people talk about seeing now cylinder shaped ufos but that giant black triangle reminds me of the giant black triangles that people see now like they described it as an arrow they described what they saw in those times, you know, they used the jargon and the nomenclature and the words of their time, and arrow would make sense. So that was an interesting one. Uh, another, and and this is a, about those, uh, oh, oh you know, this portion I should say that I'm discussing is would, was con- first brought to my attention as UFOs in antiquity, you know. So it depicted that. Uh, celestial phenomenon that was the first picture I saw um then the 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 other one that was fucking nuts is the crucifixion of Christ um I think hold on I wrote that down that one was in thirteen fifty and it hangs in a monastery in cova uh Covaso. uh uh it has a it's a picture of Jesus being crucified right and on either side of him on both sides of him there are clearly men in rocket ships men in rocket ships this took place this this uh this thing was painted in 1350 1350 there are pictures of people in rocket ships now, I know that the U.S. rocket program started by Wernher von Braun didn't really kick off here until after. Well, we had rockets, but, you know, it didn't really jump off until Operation Paperclip after World War II. when We took the German scientists, uh, the a bunch of Nazis um, in there as well, by the way, mixed in, and we par- totally pardoned them. Um, and they are responsible for how our our rocket program became so successful. Yes, Nazis were responsible for our rocket program. Many Nazis. Um, anyway, so so that particular painting, the Crucifixion of Christ, you can look it up. Uh, 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 it's in Kosovo. And like I said, one of the picture on the right, the rocket ship on the right, that one looks just like a U.S. astronaut in a space suit. And he is clearly in a rocket ship. Please do me a favor. Do me a favor. We're old friends now. We've been, you know, you guys are my day ones. You've been here since since the beginning. Pause this for a second. And go look it up. The crucifixion of Christ. Thirteen fifty. Uh uh hangs in a monastery in Kosovo. Uh Kovasov. Uh, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's late. But um it's it's actually three twenty-five. Um, but look that up and tell me that shit is not weird. That, my friends. Is what you would call a true paradox. It is something that exists which should not. It should not exist. How, Sway? How? So, my favorite of the UFOs in antiquity is... The Madonna and St. Giovannino from the 15th century. That painting, I love that painting. It depicts a picture of the Madonna. And she's like, there's looking down at these two like babies or cherubs or angels, whatever. And so that's like mainly what's. In the background, but in the foreground, I should say, but then in the background, you see something else going on. You see the sun in the sky, but then over on the right hand side in the corner, you see a guy on a dock and he's looking up in the sky and he's looking at, to me, what appears to be a UFO How do I know it's not something else? Because what else would be coming out of the sky? It wasn't an angel, right? It wasn't an angel. You can look it up. It's called the Madonna and St. Gio Venino. It was not an angel. So what is this round circular object that the man is on the dock in the background looking up? Very, It's very suspicious too because it reminds me of almost like if the artist was putting this in there sneakily to say, look at the foreground, here's the Madonna, nobody's paying attention to the background. And most certainly if the people had never seen a UFO, they wouldn't know what that circle thing was. They might just think it was a mistake in the painting. Or that he was trying to, I don't know, who knows. But they wouldn't think it was a UFO unless they were in the know. But they someone put that in there for a reason. That man on that dock is looking up in that sky at that particular object. He is not looking at the sun. The sun is on the left side. The object is on the right side. So you tell me, the Madonna and St. Giovenino. Please look that painting up. Look at the right-hand side, in the corner, and you will see that there is a man looking up in the sky at what appears to be a UFO. This picture is from the 15th century. Um, there are some other paintings too. Um, one is the Baptism of Christ. Um, I, I don't know if it's called the ba- I think it's called the. I think it's called the Baptism of Christ, but it's the baptism or something. And it shows a UFO, what looks like a UFO to me. It shows somebody in the in getting uh, baptized on the ground, but in the sky, there is a disc-shaped object, and it is shining light down. Uh what else could it be? It's not the sun. It's not the sun. It's not an oval like that, like it's a a circle in the sky like the sun this thing is shaped like, I don't know, like a disc. And it looks like it's shining its light down. Like I think artists back then were maybe possibly trying to say something, trying to speak to people who live today, you know, perhaps who would be in a different time because they would be crucified back then if they spoke about these things. Those things would be demonic. Those things would be like, would be like heresy blasphemy like what are you talking about you can't bring up stuff like that like we'll we'll Galileo you boy put you in the tower we'll crucify you we'll hang you burn you alive call you a witch so if I was artist I'd learn how to put things in paintings too things that people might see later on in a different time you know I I think it's hella interesting so check out if you will UFOs in antiquity. Okay, so these things that I I, I just talked about, these things predate uh, the Roswell, New Mexico incident, which we're going to get to in a second. But before the Roswell incident, there was the Kenneth Arnold incident. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Kenneth Arnold is, Kenneth Arnold was an amateur pilot, uh, businessman. He was somebody who was respected in the community, and um, I want to say Kenneth Arnold. He first came on the scene in 19, I believe it was. This was the same month or, or the same year, same summer. It was like in June of 1947. Because Roswell happened in 1947 in July. And yeah, this was in June. And Kenneth Arnold was on his way to an air show. And he spotted what he saw. He thought they were like uh, birds at first. And then upon further scrutiny, he thought it could be a few other things. And then he finally said, These things are metallic. And he described them the way they flew like saucers skipping on the water. And when he was asked about it in an interview, he said that's how they moved, which there's a controversy about, you know, them saying, well, he coined the phrase UFOs when he actually didn't. It was a misquote from the whoever interviewed him saying taking his quote of saying that they that's how they moved like saucers skipping on the water. And then he got credited with coming up with the phrase UFOs. So he described them as being like on the horizon line, like stretched out. And it was like, I think he said there was like nine of them and they were flying in a row um, horizontally and just these metallic objects. And look it up, very interesting. So which leads us, All the way up to the more famous incident, which is the one that uh, everybody knows, the July 7th, 1947. That incident. Um, That's the famous Roswell incident. Okay, so while this may seem as if, (laughs) you know we're just continuing the conversation straight away. This is actually the next day. Um, you can probably tell by you know my demeanor, the way I sound, just my voice, everything, because I just couldn't continue anymore. I mean, I was just straight loopy at that point. It was we wee hours of the morning, and I actually listened back and I'm like, God, man, you were just saying all kinds of things. But I do like the fact that 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 early morning, late so-called podcast is uh, it's organic. It's different and mistakes and all cracks and all flaws and all. So I appreciate it. Um, a couple of the retractions or corrections I want to make. So the first one is I talked about Operation Paperclip and I I did state that. They weren't in the beginning. I did state that they weren't all um, Nazis. All of the scientists that we took in Operation Paperclip, but uh, or or that I should say that um, all of the scientists that worked on the rocket program were not all from Nazis. You know, some of them were just normal German scientists. So even though I did state it up front briefly, I think I said Nazi more, and um, yeah, I just want to state that it wasn't all Nazis who were uh, taken in and in into, into the United States and worked on our rocket program. Some of them were just normal German citizens. Okay, so that was one thing that I just wanted to make sure that I added clarity to because I don't like to stereotype. I don't want to marginalize, and nor do I want to mislabel, you know, something as something that it's not. So, um, anyway, um, the second was I was – really tired and um I kept going back and forth when I was talking about my own UFO uh incident incidents that I had witnessed like with the uh when I talked when I talked about the uh UFO I saw with my son in August of last year i it, I said I started off saying the gimbal it resembled the gimbal UFO but then i I said Nimitz like Two times after that. So that's just a, you know, slip of, you know, the, the brain at such a wee hour. And plus, I think someone in here was smoking. <laughs> um, so uh, also, I was listening to it and I was just like, a, like, oh, my God, this guy, you know, um, like it was another person. So when I was talking about Chariots of the Gods, I said, I think I said James Von Prague. Instead of Eric von Doniken. And Eric von Doniken is the author of Chariots of the Gods. James von Prague is that quote unquote clairvoyant, Uh, yeah, Uh, psychic dude who used to have like a TV show and he would just be doing like the whole Sylvia Brown routine. So, fraud. Excuse me, I had something in my throat. sounded like a frog or something. Fraud. Um, yeah. So, um, sorry, Dad. I, I don't know why I always do that. You know, it's like those kind of when you say like three names, you get them mixed up. You know, it's like saying James Earl Ray. Uh, and, and damn, now I can't. Uh, what, what's the other one? John Hinckley Jr. You know, you start those three kind of bounce names. So anyway, I just wanted to clear some of that up. And I'm sure I missed some things, <laughs> you know. But uh, this is like I stated before. I am not, this is, I haven't, I have not written any books on this subject. I am not an expert on the subject. And under ideal circumstances, I would be interviewing somebody on the subject. But, you know, who is like, who am I really going to talk to that's an expert about UFOs? You know, I have a very small podcast that's just starting up. And, um, you know, but, you know, who knows? And maybe in the future, but as of right now, I don't see that as a particular skill that I have yet. You know, I'm just learning how to be on the microphone, you know, so just wanted to clear some of that up. Um, Also, um, now that I'm remembering, I talked about Kenneth Arnold. I said he was, you know, in terms of like the whole, he coined the phrase UFO, and then that was kind of like a misnomer Um, but I stated in the beginning that he was a pilot, but I, when I was talking about his incident where he encountered the crafts, I didn't state that he was actually flying. Although I said he was on his way to an air show, I should have specified that he was flying. So that's an important fact, factoid. Um, so anyway, I want to take that, that whole, you know, summer of 1947 and the, the UFO craze and Kenneth Arnold. And then we had the crash in Roswell, New Mexico. But there is something that is significant um, about that crash in Roswell, New Mexico and the Kenneth Arnold sighting and so on and so forth. Is one? It, it, it has to do with the fact that the first atomic tests were done in, 1945, just two years prior, um, you know, um, I'm I'm sure it was, you know, right out there in New Mexico. I I don't know the exact region, but not too far away from Roswell. And so, listen, because there's no way to really, truly, uh, organically have this conversation without talking about aliens to some degree. I mean... You want to be as objective as possible and you want to, you don't want to uh, jump to conclusions. But when I say alien, these could be human beings from another planet, which would still make them aliens. So, I mean, just like, you know, other people have speculated over the years. I think of like the greys. I think of those as some type of autonomous, you know, autonomous. Android, robot, kind of, you know, maybe some type of organic, robotic Android beings that are designed for, you know, moving through hyperspace or folded space or, you know, could survive or navigate an Einstein, Rosenbridge with these transmedium ships or however they're getting here, whatever they're doing, somebody is obviously coming here and, and observing us. And we are definitely going to dive further into that. And I'm not going to shy away from the subject of aliens when talking about UFOs. Because to some degree and in some spaces and places, it is synonymous. They go together like uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, you know, like chocolate and peanut butter. So, uh, like Forrest and Janet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, um, anyway, back to the famous crash at Roswell. So from what my understanding is, the crash occurred, and then the next day after the rancher, it crashed on someone's ranch. I forget the gentleman's name. I'm going off the top of the dome here. Um, crashed on the ranch. And then the next day he contacted the military. The military sends over Lieutenant Jesse Marcel. The the rancher and Jesse Marcel walk the property and they collect evidence. They see, he shows him the debris. Um, it's spread over uh, quite a distance. They collect, they both collect samples of the debris. And I don't know whether or not Jesse Marcel um, was, you know, uh, uh, understood protocol for collecting. I don't know if it existed prior to this or if he was privy to that information, but he he took some of he took the material home with him. And uh, according to and and I guess when he, you know, he contacted his superiors and then, uh, you know, they came the next day or whatever Or, or you know, to ship out the large portion of the material. But anyway, as the story goes, Jesse, Lieutenant Jesse Marcel, as far as I remember, he took the material home and... I keep repeating myself. Umar Johnson. Sorry. Um, Took some of the material home and he had it on the table, laid it out on his kitchen table with his daughter and his family or whatever, and they you know, checked out the material. Some of it was like this, you know, almost foil-like material that they couldn't cut, they couldn't burn it. Um, His daughter has discussed this in later years. Could not tear it, couldn't cut it with a knife, tried to burn it with a lighter, um, couldn't do it. But when they folded it, when they crumpled it up, it unwound itself back to its original shape. So that was one. And then there were these I remember them talking about straighter edged pieces that had some type of writing on it that um, resembled hieroglyphics um, or meta uh, uh, as they say in Egyptology. Um, so it's the next day, the I guess it's the, you know, New Mexico or Roswell Air Force, whoever, they put out a statement saying that they captured a down UFO, that a crashed UFO. They recovered pieces of this UFO. Um, they said UFO. Not the newspaper sensationalizing it. Their own press release. They called it a UFO. Um, I think it was the announcement something. RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. That may be the exact quote. And so the next day after that, I guess, you know, everybody was, you know, so abuzz. It made such a big splash. Um, And then the next day, I guess somebody in the higher ups like, you know, a general or something or maybe even the president was like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, are you crazy? Put the gabage on that. And they took that famous photo of Jesse Marcel, and he's holding what looks like, you know, almost like a damn kid's kite. Um, It looks like just some, some bullshit that they, you know, made him do this photo op, and they said it was a weather balloon. Now, we know that they did high-altitude weather balloon tests back then, because I believe what those balloons were for, I, I believe when they went up into the atmosphere, They would be like radiation detectors or something, and we were going to use them somehow to detect if a nuclear weapon had went off anywhere in the planet. Because I guess the wave would send the radiated particles through the atmosphere, and somehow these weather balloons were designed to be able to detect this radiation. So, um, and these balloons, I believe, would stretch over the course of like, you know, maybe a quarter mile or so or however long, they would just really stretch and they would have kind of like a shimmering to them. And so they looked odd. And the military was trying to say that this is what crashed on the ranch. and um, But there are multiple witnesses who have, you know, told this story over the years. There's the whole story of the... Uh, military calling the morgue and asking them about children-sized coffins, and that they were they wanted three of them, and people said that there were three alien bodies, you know, that were recovered. There's no way to you know acknowledge whether or not this is true, but um, getting back to Jesse Marcel for a minute, so he was really made to set up to look be the fall guy, and to look like you know he took one for the team as they like to say. Um, I'm sure he, you know, I'm sure that that haunted him for the rest of his life. You know, that he was, you know, made into kind of like, you know, just this bumbling figure that got it wrong. You know, I thought it was a weather balloon. Duh. I I mean, I thought it was a UFO. Duh. I didn't know it was a weather balloon. But, um, so anyway, um, so supposedly these aliens were taken to a hangar and the bodies were, depending on what story you follow, storyline you believe in, um, some of the bodies were taken to a hangar and dissected and the remains of the craft were taken to another military base and I guess to be studied for reverse engineering. And in some Instances. There are even stories about one of the aliens surviving. And I I could be making a conflation, you know, when the, when they talk about the whole, uh, I think it was called EEB, um, extraterrestrial um, biological entity or something. EBE, I think that was what they called him. EBE, uh, text home. Wow. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, so so there's all of this lore surrounding all of those things. The crash itself, whether or not the crash actually happened, whether or not the debris from said crash was of some, you know, super scientific material uh, with this crazy Mejerneta hieroglyphic writing, and also whether or not there were bodies and what happened to them. I will say that a very interesting book, on the subject in terms of what happened, um, is called The Day After Roswell. And it was written by General Corso. I believe that is what his name is. You could look it up for yourself. But like I said, General Corso. And the book is called The Day After Roswell. Fascinating reading for anybody who is into this stuff. I've probably over the years, read 50 books on the subject. but that, to me, that one was chilling because the way he, General Corso, basically what he said was, was that he had a file cabinet because, you know, everything was in file cabinets back then, you know, back back in the 50s and 60s, you know, um, and uh, he took his, he was tasked with reverse engineering some of this stuff or getting it in the hands of people that could reverse engineer it and it was like you guys keep this we'll keep the patent or whatever whatever the deal was you know you guys figure out how this stuff works so they sent it to laboratories and you know science departments in colleges different universities and it was like you know you guys figure out how this works Almost like we'll let you keep the money, you give us the stuff, or whatever the deal was. Not really sure. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember that he discussed like there was like a headband that allowed them. They they thought in there they it was the one of the things they couldn't really figure out what it did, whether it was a communication device for them if it allowed them to operate the ship. Um, then they talked about the fiber optic wires which predates us you know putting fiber optic cables for our computers and phones and whatnot and but he talked about tubes with light inside which is a fiber optic cable um also he talked about there was like a pin type of deal that emitted a laser and that could actually cut stuff and then i remember another one of the items was the They took, they dissected the, one of the, the entities and they removed the outer layer of like the eye, you know, like the, the, the outer portion of the eyeball from one of these creatures. And when they looked at it in the dark, they realized that they could see in the dark. So according to this book, The Day After Roswell, they reverse engineered some of this stuff and that's how we get to. A lot of the things that we have today, and this is why all of these years they couldn't disclose this stuff because it was, you know, they it was either proprietary somehow or it was, you know, in the hands of different companies. And when it's in the hands of different companies, this stuff then becomes, you know, like legally, I guess you know, subject to, well, these people are subcontractors. So it's not, we're not technically lying to you that the United States government doesn't have it. Uh, Such and such and and so-and-so lab has this, this lab has that, that lab has this. So it's like, what are you saying we have? You know, so it seemed to me to be one of those deals. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, after Roswell... um, well, Roswell happened in 1947. Um and then I believe after that is when project um what was well well before it became project Blue Book, it was I believe in 48 it was project Sign first. Then that only lasted for a year. Then project Sign became project Grunge in 49 and then Project Grunge became Project Blue Book from like fifty one, fifty two to 69. And it was headed by J. Allen Hynek, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And so he was almost like to me, J. Allen Hynek was like the original Lou Alzando uh, from the A-Tip program because J. Allen Hynek was a skeptic. And I don't know if Lou Elizondo was is a skeptic or was a skeptic at the time, I should say. But uh, J. Allen Hynek was a skeptic and he was his whole thing was he was supposed to investigate, which was really debunk um, all of the sightings. But the amount of sightings that he found that were legitimate, the vast majority were false, he concluded, I believe. But there was at least some large enough portion that he observed that they he he saw credibility In them not being able to identify or discern what it was or the strangeness or uniqueness of the issue was so, um, uh, you know, just it stood out so much that it convinced him to that at least some of these were real. And he went from being this skeptic to being a UFO researcher and investigator. And, you know, he went on to for the rest of his days talking about, you know, UFOs, but not in the skeptic tone, you know, he became a believer, excuse me. So, uh, within that time, you know, we then have the first, like, you know, the first, like, um, really sensationalized case of, and I, I'm sorry if I, you know, if I'm mixing some of this stuff around in a way that may not make sense. But the reason why I'm jumping from, uh, I, well, no, Roswell and the crash and Kenneth Arnold and then moving to um, Corso and Blue Book, all of that stuff does fit in. And within this time, because the, we have to start looking at abdu- the abduction phenomena as it's known, because the first documented like or sensationalized case of that abduction, meaning people who were had, you know, contact with aliens, allegedly. And the first real identifiable case that came into the public consciousness was the Betty and Barney Hill case. Yes, Betty and Barney, just like the Flintstones. Nuts. I know. But the first real known case, you can, you know, do your own research and look this up, was by an interracial couple named Betty and Barney Hill. And that was in 1960, it was 1960 something. I'm not really sure exactly when Betty and Barney Hill took place. I want to say it was in the 1960s. And so what? Uh, 1961, I think. Damn, I just had to shake my brain. 1961. So apparently this interracial couple, Barney's a black man and Betty was Caucasian. So they're driving. They're coming home from their vacation in New Hampshire. And I'm, I'm retelling their story, but you can go look up their story. There is a, a movie and a book based on their experience. Um, just look them up, Betty and Barney Hill, and the movie and the book will come up. So, according to what they say, I'm going to give, you know, just my, what I can remember off the dome. Um, They were driving home from their vacation in New Hampshire and they spotted this light and the light started following them or something. Eventually, the light winds up on the road in front of them. They see this craft. Barney can see it so good that He actually sees beings in these, like, windows. He can see, make them out, you know. And he starts getting these um, suggestions like don't run or things like that. And, of course, they take off. And then the next thing they know, they're aboard this craft and they're separated. Um, Barney, they take sperm samples from him. He's laying on a table. They sees all of these alien beings. He doesn't want to open his eyes. He's terrified, he talks about how scared he was. He these people did interviews, okay. You can. I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, so Barney was saying that they took sperm samples from him. They did all of these medical examinations of him. Had the bright light in his face, and he said he was terrified. He didn't want to open his eyes. Um, Betty was subjected to her own set of whatever, and her actually what happened to her was more. What happened to her uh, afterward, what was uncovered was more interesting than her account. It was just slightly different than his. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they wind up like back in their car and driving down the road and they don't really remember how they got home. And, you know, so it's the whole, then they realized that they were missing time, which is where the, uh, the phrase missing time come from. And it was also that, There was a book by bud hopkins who was the one who really you know recorded the all of these you know like the largest portion of abductee stories and encounters and he bud hopkins uh was also an artist but he did um uh all of these conducted hundreds of interviews and he actually was a licensed uh hypnotist so he hypnotized people um, but anyway back to betty and Barney Hill so later on they you know they told their story I guess they told their story at church or something and um so what happened is the story get goes national and eventually they did um uh uh lie detector tests I believe they also I know that they took they that Barney went under hypnosis and recounted the story and if you ever want to you ever want to scare the crap out of yourself? Wait till about his, his wee hours in the morning, okay? And listen to Barney Hill's the sessions, his hypnotic sessions. Listen to him recount what happened to him. This man starts screaming. Now, apparently, Betty and Barney Hill, what was one of the things that was unique about their relationship was They didn't really suffer or face a lot of discrimination. They were a very well-adjusted couple. You know, this was in 1961. Dude, think about that. 1961. Betty and Barney Hill. Okay? These people are an interracial couple, a black man. They live in New Hampshire, but they've actually managed to avoid, you know, any real harshness. Even though they were in this taboo relationship. Why would these people want to draw attention to themselves is the question I would first ask myself. I don't think I don't give a damn what was going on in their lives. I don't think you want to draw the uh, that type of attention in your direction at that time. It just is nonsensical. Like Judge Judy says, if it doesn't make sense, it's not true. So I don't believe that they did that as some type of publicity stunt or a hoax. That doesn't even make sense to where you're going to be this black man in 1961 screaming at the top of your lungs while you're being hypnotized because you think these little gray men are touching your penis. You really think that that's what Barney (laughs) Hill was trying to do? I doubt it. I highly doubt that. So um, Barney Hill died a couple of years after that, a few years, I don't know, maybe... uh, let's just say seven years or to 10 years after that. At some point, I don't have anything in front of me, but, um, and Betty Hill went on years later to talk about what happened. So anyway, um, the reason why I'm bringing these two things together is because just like the, the brain and the mind, you have the brain, but we know that the mind is arises from the brain. If you you know, if you do certain things to different portions of the brain, you can actually change what is coming out of someone's mouth or what they remember or what they see. So we know that the brain is the hardware and the mind is the software. OK, um, we know that if there are UFOs, then they have to be occupants. They have to be controllers. They have to be beings or things or people or whatever you want to call them. We cannot separate the two. These things are not, you know, I hate phrases like mutually exclusive or whatever, but uh, you listen, we have to be adult about this. And we have to be able to speak rationally. We have to be able to do what evolution has taught us to do, which is to make rational leaps and conclusions to things. So that, listen, if you hear rustling in the bushes, Yeah, we evolved to realize, hey, that might be a motherfucking tiger. It might be a lion. I may need to sharpen my spear. I may need to be on alert. We need to realize that these beings or these things, they are, they have to be, there is something controlling them. Damn it, I don't care if it's just some type of energy ghost. I don't give a shit what it is. You dig? It's something. And I I think that we have to be able to talk about that. Uh Uh-oh, I hear the... uh, pregnant Yeti upstairs stomping around. That's our Ed McMahon. Um, He also likes to play weird music. So, and uh, it's like a a bunch of them. It's like a a bear den upstairs. You know, apparently they just stuff Twinkies in their mouth and scream and, you know, whatever. So on that note, I think I'm going to bid this episode adieu. And... We will return in a couple of days. I will try to make this a quick turnaround because I have a lot more to say, starting with Bob Lazar, Area 51. Um, We also want to talk about Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump and the Pentagon report and also the Pentagon, the um, congressional hearings that uh, were a result of the Pentagon report. So are there going to be more hearings in the future? What do these hearings ultimately mean for the citizens of the of this country and the world? So until next time, we, we see each other at these coordinates. I want to thank you for lending me your time and your mind in this space and in this place. Thank you for lending me your mind and your attention for a little while. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't let you down too much and i appreciate you i thank you and just from the bottom of my heart it really means a lot that people are tuning in so please forgive me for any mistakes and you know ride with me i promise you things will get better i'll get better and hopefully we'll grow together so see you next time y'all understand or no So hey yo welcome, welcome to the show welcome to the show welcome to the show welcome to the show